Things were looking so good for the Detroit Pistons. It looked like they were going to get a really great win against the Portland Trailblazers. Then everything just went south, and somehow they lost this game. We're going to talk about everything that went wrong in this game, what needs to change, how did this happen. We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't ready, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review for whatever on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. The Detroit Pistons, I'm recording this right after their loss to the Portland Trailblazers. I was at this game. I was lucky to be in the media box for this game. Um... I'm going to be able to play a clip here soon um, that I recorded from the media room, so uh, just stay tuned for a second. Um, this game was going the Pistons' way. The Pistons were in complete control of this game. It felt like that they were dominating this game. Uh, but at some point in the third quarter, I looked up at the scoreboard, and it was only a three-point game. I don't know how it happened. I, I was confused about how it got to this because it truly felt like the Pistons were completely dominating this game. And then somehow they ended up losing this game. 110 to 101. The Pistons' largest lead was 18 points. They were playing their best half of basketball. And somehow they lost this game. And now I, I you know after the game, you know, I'm I'm you know I'm trying to get out the quotes. I'm trying to get out this video that I recorded. Um, so everyone can see what Asar said, which you guys are about to see here. And I go on Twitter and I see in the Pistons community what's being talked about. And there's a lot of talk about Cade Cunningham and a lot of talk that I'm honestly shocked to see about Cade. So that's where we're going to start first. Cade had seven turnovers in this game tonight. Or six. They ended up taking one away and giving it to Bagley, who had five turnovers. That's not good at all. Um, I have said on numerous occasions so far, that Cade turns the ball over too much. He makes some uh, careless passes sometimes. He tries some passes that he just shouldn't be trying. And they often come, at least so far, I mean, I say often, they've come at times this year at bad times. It's been bad timing with these turnovers too. It's a difference in turning the ball over in the first or, you know, like, like random times. But when you're turning the ball over in pivotal moments, it hurts the team. And that did happen tonight. Yes, he did turn the ball over too much. And he did turn the ball over in some pivotal stretches that gave Portland momentum and had them come back into the game and take the lead. That did happen. However, there is there is a line. There is a very, not even a thin line. It's a very large line. It's a very thick line between giving Cade fair criticism, just like any player gets, and then going to the edge too far of saying, oh, Cade's a disappointment. 
Cade is the reason why the team lost. Cade isn't who we thought he was. That That is just such a crazy stream, especially in a game that saw Cade shoot five of nine from deep and have 30 points in this game. The only reason why his efficiency looked so bad in this game, 11 of 27, is because he missed his final six shots of the game because he was gassed. He was absolutely gassed at the end of this game. He played the entire fourth quarter. He was gassed. And something that Monty Williams told us after the game, he mentioned that, you know, he has to look back at how many minutes he's playing guys. He's playing guys too many minutes because guys are hurt and guys are getting tired because of it. Very clearly talking about Cade. Cade gassed out at the end of this game. Is it an excuse? No, he still put the numbers on the board. He has to own his efficiency. It's not like they're going to put it, you know, they're not going to put up, oh, P.S., he was hurt or he was tired. Like, no, that's not going to happen. But come on, let's have some nuance and detail to the conversation. It wasn't, he got tired. He gassed out. He's being asked to do too much. And I, I'm not saying this because, I'm not saying this to also say I should, I should say, to tell you guys, you guys can't criticize Cade. Yes, Cade needs to stop turning the ball over too much. Cade needs to improve on his finishing around the rim. He hasn't been good finishing around the rim this year. But he was playing great throughout the first 44 minutes of this game. He was playing fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Pull up threes, pull up middies. He had a windmill dunk in the first half. He was playing exceptional. Crazy basketball. And he is the only reason... I mean, I say only because there were some other players that played fine. But he is obviously the main reason the Pistons had an 18-point lead. He is the main reason why they were looking so good is because Cade was taking them there. So, yes, he gets the – just because – or just like he gets – he's going to get the most credit when they win – He's going to get a lot of the, the, you know, the criticism when they lose. That that makes sense. But let's not go too extreme with it, okay? Yes, Cade needs to improve on the turnovers. He needs to improve on finishing around the rim. I'd like to see him get some foul calls. I think that would help a lot in his finishes around the rim. But nonetheless, yes, there's things Cade needs to get better on. He has to be a much better decision maker when time, when, when it, the time calls for it. But let's not go overboard with it, okay? Cade did struggle at the end of this game. Last four minutes of the game. He missed five consecutive shots, had multiple turnovers in the fourth quarter. But it wasn't just Cade. That's the thing, too. It wasn't just Cade turning the, ba- the basketball over. The Pistons had 18 turnovers, six of them from Cade, and five from their center in Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley should not have five turnovers. He doesn't have that high of a usage. He should not ever have five turnovers. Stu had two turnovers. Asar had two turnovers. You can't have that. So while, yes, Cade absolutely led it with six, his is, is insane. During the stretch in the third quarter, though, it wasn't just him turning the ball over. It was Bagley and Asar, too, turning the ball over. Stu, Isaiah Stewart had a really bad turnover at, in the fourth quarter where he had a wide-open corner three, didn't take it, and then shuffled his feet because he didn't know what to do, got called for a travel. The, the LCA crowd was absolutely in shock, and they were all screaming, shoot it, shoot the ball. So it's like... And I'm not singling out anybody. I'm trying to say it's everybody that was contributing to it. K needs to be better down the stretch. He can't turn the ball over that much. But come on. I can't believe that we're going this far with it. Where I see some people calling K a disappointment. And acting like what we saw in this game, you shouldn't be thrilled with what you saw in this game. Or maybe, obviously you're going to be disappointed they lost. But K just shot 5 of 9 from deep. The jump shot is here. That's the part that's going to unlock his superstar in the future. That's what we wanted to see. And as I told you guys in the last podcast, and this is something, it's, again, this is not an excuse. He has to cut down the turnovers. It's just context. 
you can't just say things without context. High usage players are going to deal with turnovers throughout their entire career. It's going to be something that they're constantly having to monitor. It's going to be something that they're constantly going to have to uh, uh, try to limit. It's always going to be a problem that comes up every now and then where you're like, yeah, they're turning the ball over too much during this stretch of games. They're going to have to cut it down, and they're going to have to try to fix it. All the high-usage players, this is the exact conversation they go through. It happens with LeBron. It happens with Luka. happens with Trey Young. happens with Jason Tatum. Happen, pick any high-usage player in NBA history. They are going to struggle with turnovers at times. It's going to be something that they're constantly having to fight and deal with. And it's going to be something that Cade's going to deal with throughout his career. Now, you hope that he eventually gets better than he is now. Yes. He can't turn it over as much as he's turning it over now. Yes. But this, like... Pistons fans are just going to have to get used to this being something that we're probably going to talk about at random stretches throughout seasons for the rest of Cade's career. As long as he's a high-usage player, turnovers are going to be something that comes up as a problem. It's going to come up as a problem. You hope it starts to come up as a problem less and less as he gets more experienced. But especially earlier in your career as a high-usage player, it's going to be a problem. It's just That's just how it goes. That's how basketball – when you have the ball in your hands that much – you're going to have a lot of good plays, and just and just like you have the ball in your hands a lot to make good plays, you have the ball in your hands a lot to make mistakes. It's going to happen. So I know this comes off as excuse-making. I'm not. You guys know just a few days ago, I was one of the ones getting destroyed for saying Cade has to improve his turnovers. He does. He gets careless with the ball. He does. But there's so much more good to take from this from Cade's season so far. This dude, I think after this game, Cade's going to be averaging around 22, 23 points per game on like 41% shooting, 45% from deep, and 86 shoot, uh, free throw shooting splits. Like that's going to be his splits on like 22 to 23 points a game, six rebounds, six assists. Like that's going to be what his averages are through five games. There's no way in hell any Pistons fan should be even close to upset with that. That's like, come on. We can be disappointed about the game. Be disappointed about the ending. Cade not being able to close it. Turn the ball over. Struggling hit shots. Gassing out. Maybe you can talk about. It. Does he need to get in better shape? That's a more fair conversation to have than saying, "Hey, is he a disappointment?" Like that's crazy. If you want to have the conversation, "Hey, he needs to get in better shape to where he can play 37 minutes. He can play 12 minutes in the fourth, and we don't have to worry about him gassing out." That's a fair conversation. I, I'll, I'll entertain that. The he's a disappointment and he's the reason why they lost and he's the reason why they can't win like that kind of stuff that that's just lunacy and I I won't entertain that that that's just crazy so it sucks that the Pistons lost this game because they were in control and Cage turnovers did have a huge part in huge part in them giving up the lead but he also was the main reason why they had the lead in the first place so you can't if you just lost Cade just remove Cade from the conversation this. The Pistons wouldn't have even been close in this game. He's carrying such a load right now for this team. It's insane. Um, and that leads us to our next conversation. Yes. We're ha- I'm having the conversation again. And I might, I, I might be changing my tune now. Is it time to make a change? We'll talk about that when we come back. What change am I talking about? Who knows? Who knows what change I'm talking about? Could I be talking about a change of the podcast host? Could I be talking about a change of the name of the podcast? Who knows what change I'm talking about? We'll find out when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, my absolute favorite daily fantasy option, one of my favorite sponsors, Price Picks. So you guys know I've talked about Price Picks many times on the podcast. I'm constantly using Price Picks 
every single day. It's my favorite daily fantasy option. I'll explain it to you guys this real quick. You pick two to six players to see if they score higher or less than their prize picks projection, and you can put it all into the same uh, entry. You can go cross sports with NFL, NBA, NHL. You can go into esports. You can put it all into the same entry, and again, you just pick higher or less than their prize picks projection. I love it. I have so much fun on it. Every Tuesday, they have a little Taco Tuesday special when you get a discount, one of the players' projections. I tried to take advantage of Chris Paul's last week. It disappeared before I could take advantage of it. I haven't hit this week. It, it's been it's been tough for me out here, all right? It's been tough. But you can win up to five times your money on any single entry. It's super easy. You get your money instantly. It's so it's Seriously, it's just as easy as saying higher, less. And if you're lucky enough, you can win up to five times your money on any single entry. Price Picks is my favorite daily fantasy option out there. Go download it now on your app store at Price Picks. Go to Price Picks, or you can go to Price Picks, I should say, .com slash LockdownNBA and use code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to PricePicks.com slash LockdownNBA and use code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So before we get into this conversation, I'm going to play a clip from Asar Thompson after the game. He was asked about the Pistons' turnovers. And I want to just play this clip before we move on to this conversation. So here is Asar Thompson. Uh-huh. We just got to be stronger with the ball, uh, more decisive, quicker decisions, and just, uh, you know, better spacing, better spacing. Uh, you know, sometimes, include me included, go to the cup, I got to turn over. Uh, three guys are on you. I mean, somebody's open. So when we draw the defense, we just got to, you know, kick it out and, you know, have faith in our teammates. So, like you heard from Asar, and I said this in the last segment, the turnovers, yes, Cade's leading the way. He has to cut down. But the turnovers are team-wide. Asar's turned the ball over. Like I said, Bagley was turning the ball over. Stu's turned the ball over. Um, Jane Ivey didn't play enough tonight to to turn the ball over. We'll talk about Jane Ivey later. Um, but he struggled with turnovers, too, throughout the year. Everyone's turned the ball over. And I believe, I said this on the last podcast, you guys remember, I said... Part of the reason I believe they're turning the ball over is because they're not kicking out to guys who are open because it looks like, to the naked eye, now, look, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm trying to say this without, without, you know, accusing anyone of this, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to do so. It looks like they don't trust players out there when they're open. They don't want to give them the ball when they're open. They don't have faith in them. And Asar went out of his way just now to say, hey, when we drive to the paint and guys are open, we need to have faith in these guys. We have to have faith in our teammates, and we have to hit them when they're open. Um, and I think I, I've said I said that on the last podcast before he even said anything. Obviously, I said that I felt like that was something I was seeing on the floor that they weren't having faith in each other to hit open shots when they were open. Uh, these guys were open, and the only way you can possibly have a chance at those guys getting more efficient and those guys helping you out is if you do have faith in them to hit the shots. If they don't hit the shots, then that's on them. But you have to at least give them the chance. That's something we talked about in the last episode. 
So I agree with Asar wholeheartedly on that topic. You, ha- If guys are open, you have to hit them. You just have to. You have to give them the chance to make it. However, however, it, let me, let me actually, you know what? Let me say this first. I still, I don't think Monty is going to change the starting lineup still, especially with the quote he said about K- Killian Hayes after the game. Um, they asked him about Killian Hayes. He was 0 of 6 in this game. And Monty actually said he felt like he didn't shoot the ball enough. He felt like he needed to shoot the ball more. He felt like he wasn't getting the shots that he gets. And he should be trying to get more shots that suit him. Um, he didn't shoot the ball enough. And he also said he needs to be shooting more confident. He says he's not scoring the ball and shooting the ball how he should be and how he's used to shooting the ball. I know Pistons fans would probably laugh at that. But he said that Killian Hayes hasn't been shooting the way that he's usually shooting the ball. He's not shooting with confidence like he did in the preseason. And during the game, you could definitely see he was getting very frustrated. He was hanging his head. He was punching his thigh over and over. He hung on the – after a timeout, he slammed onto the rim, yanked it around. He was very upset. You can see that it's it's something that continues to happen with Killian Hayes. He has a good stretch. He starts to miss some shots, and he gets into his head. So it seems like that's where we're at in this cycle of Killian Hayes. Um, and Monty Williams didn't say after the game, hey, we need to stop playing him some. We're going to make a change, whatever. He actually said he needs to shoot the ball more. I know a lot of you guys are going to love that. Um, but despite that, as someone like myself who has believed in Killian Hayes for years and still wants to see him succeed and still believes there is an NBA player in there and still believes that just five games is not enough to write off his season, I would be I, – I, you would have to accuse me of being blind and watching the Pistons games with a blindfold on if I were to come on this podcast and say, with the way Killian Hayes is playing, you shouldn't be considering a change. Like, you, everyone would have to accuse me of wearing a blindfold and being blind if I were not to acknowledge that. Killian Hayes was 0 of 6 tonight. And I think what Monty mentioned was really, I, I really liked what I heard from him in, uh, this specifically, was Killian's not getting the shots he wants. Like, whether people like his pull-up midi or not, they think it's a tough shot to make. He's not even getting He's not even getting to those shots that he wants. It, it feels like that he's, like, watching him in this game, he's not even getting to those shots. That he's not even that, he hasn't been spectacular on through his career, but it's his most comfortable shot. He's not even, like, getting to that, what we saw last year, what we saw in preseason. He looks like a completely different player from preseason. Like, even in the first game, when he was missing those shots, I thought he was getting shots that he wanted. I was cool with the shots. Remember, I came on the podcast and said, hey, if he just hits one of these threes, the Pistons probably win. We're talking about Killian Hayes differently. All these other games, I feel like he's getting the shots. He, he was getting the shots more so often than not. Some of them were tough. But more so than not, he was getting the shots he wanted. This game, he just wasn't even getting the shots he wanted. He was just, like, forcing stuff. And it looked horrible. He is now... I don't know. They haven't adjusted his shooting on the season yet, but it's gotten worse. He's probably below 30%. You have to consider it a change. You absolutely have to, especially with Marcus Sasser playing the way he played in this game. He had eight points, four of six shooting. He cooled off a little bit at the end of the game, but played extremely well in that second and third quarter uh, for the Detroit Pistons. Um, we're going to talk about Jane Ivey in a second. Uh, stay tuned for that segment. Like Coming up, we're just going to talk about Jane Ivey in the third segment, so just stay tuned to that. Um Alec Burks was out this game. When Alec Burks comes back next game, hopefully. Um, yeah, you need to consider at least consider benching Killian Hayes. It, it may very well be better for Killian Hayes to come off the bench too. Um, at this point, 
because he in the preseason he did have the ball in his hands as the point guard coming off the bench, and maybe he's just more suited than that. I don't know. It, but but I can tell you this: him shooting how he's shooting in the starting lap can't keep happening. So I don't think that Monty is probably going to change. He's probably just going to rock out with it still. But yeah, if not, it's gotten to the point now, especially if Killian Hayes would have just been missing shots tonight, like good shots, then okay, whatever. Like actually, not even whatever. It still would be like okay, so like this is getting a little concerning. But it'd be more so like you could deal with it a little bit more. Tonight was really really bad, and it left me like yeah, there's no excuse for this. You gotta consider benching him. He's not playing well at all. He's not shooting the ball very well at all. He doesn't look anything like the player we just watched in preseason who was putting pressure on the rim and getting to his space and shooting 56% from the floor through four games. He doesn't look anything like that player. And Cade is, is, is dealing with it. Cade is absolutely feeling the pressure and the burden of having to carry everything on the floor, and it's affecting him late in games. So... I think the Pistons, I've been the main one saying that, hey, if you believe in this vision, you let it play for a large sample size. But after tonight, I think you definitely need to be considering benching Killian Hayes. Um, and I think I think it probably could, would be best for both parties in this. Like it, it probably would be best for both parties at this point, but it definitely would be best for one party. It, like It would maybe be best for Killian's party. But for the Pistons and Cade, it, 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 I don't think there's, like again, like I said, you, I'd have to be watching the game with blindfolds on and being blind if I were to sit here and say, yeah, at this point through five games, it wouldn't be best in the Pistons' party to bring him off the bench. Either start Alec Burks, Jane Ivey, or Marcus Sasser. Like, that needs to be something that's considered. Um, I, I don't think Monty's going to do it. I think he's probably going to st- stick with Killian. Um, but if it was me, at this point after this game, yeah, I'd be considering, I'd be sitting people down. I'd be like, listen, dude. You're giving me no choice here. Like I, I want to see you succeed. I'm trying to give you, trying to give you every possible chance, but you're really, you know, you're handcuffing me here. I'm gonna, you're making me make this choice. Oh, if six can't happen, man. He can't put up a donut. Just can't, can't do it. He can't put on, don't put up a donut. He can't shoot the shots that he was shooting tonight. They didn't even look like he was comfortable shooting them. He was just shooting them, trying to get on the board. The only shot that looked comfortable was the mid was the catch and shoot three that he had from the corner. He missed it. I, he he needs something. He needs something. He needs a wake up call because his career this is his time is running out. His last chance to really make an impact for this team moving forward. He has about two and a half weeks left, and if he keeps going like this, his career is, with the Pistons for sure is going to be done, and he's going to be facing a dim future in the NBA. And I this is coming from someone who's believed him. Man, I hate to say it, but that's just the truth. The Pistons need to be considering a change, and Killian Hayes needs to have a wake-up call. That if he doesn't get back to how he was in the preseason, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for him. It's going to be rough, and I hate saying that, but it's the truth. Is what it is. Let me know what you guys think about that. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. But more, more importantly, what's going on with Jane Ivy? What's happening? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys. But one of our sponsors. FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL, but it's not just the NFL. You can go on FanDuel and have fun with. You can go on there and have fun with the NBA, the NHL, MOB. You can go on there and put all that into the exact same entry, whether it's NBA and NFL. You can do cross-sports entries. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line win. That's $150 if your team Wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, 
player props, over-unders, and more. And this game against the Portland Trailblazers, the Pistons were slight favorites at plus 145, but somehow, even after dominating this game, I don't even want to know what their, what, what their odds look like on FanDuel once they were up 18, but they ended up losing this game. Hate to see it. Um, but that's the kind of thing you can look at. You can look at NBA futures, NFL futures on FanDuel as well. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL and this upcoming or this current NBA season. That's with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So look, I'm going to probably contradict myself a little bit here. And I understand that. I do. I, I completely understand that. But I, I feel like certain situations are unique and certain situations are different. That causes for, you know, a, a special exempt, let's call it. Um, you guys know I hate small sample sizes. I don't like freaking out over small sample sizes. I don't like it. You guys who have listened to the podcast for years now, you guys know this. However, this is a unique situation where I care about this small sample size. And maybe maybe care is not even, like, the best word. I'd say I'm interested. It's piqued my interest, this small sample size. Through four games, or not Killing Hayes, through four games, Jay Ivey has averaged 20.3 minutes per game. This past game against the Trailblazers, he played 22 minutes. In the same game against the Trailblazers. Killian Hayes got benched down the stretch. Didn't play much at all in the fourth quarter. I believe he played for like one minute in the fourth quarter, and then he was taken out. And they brought in Marcus Sasser. They brought in Joe Harris. They brought in Yumude. Then they brought Joe Harris back in again. And then they brought Yumude back in again. And then they brought Joe Harris back in again. They did all... They alternated that many times between those guys. Joe Harris and the two-way player... But not Ivy. The whole argument, the whole point behind Ivy not starting or, you know, not being able, you know, um, not being able to close games is because of his defense, which if, if that's the argument you're pushing for, if that's what Monty, you know, his reasoning is, it's hard to push back against it. If that's what it is, it's like, okay, I, you know, if he's that bad of a defender, I mean, we can love his offense, but if defense matters that much, okay, I mean, is like hands are tied. But if you're choosing Joe Harris and you and your two-way contract player, I think you're probably you're probably, at that point you're probably saying at that moment in time, okay, I'm for, I'm giving up some defense here because we need some buckets and we need some help offensively. And Jane Ivy wasn't picked. Again, it's only five games. I hate small sample sizes, and I'm not ringing the alarm at all. So. Do not clip this and go spread it and try to act like I'm ringing the alarm. I am not. If I am, I am doing this with it. The, the alarm's over there. I, I am. Like, if the alarm is over there, I am doing this. Like, I, 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 am, I am 100%. I, I am at least glancing over there. I'm glancing over there, not because, like, I want to hit it. <laughs> not because I want to hit the button. But because the button exists, I guess I should say, because it exists next to me still. 
Jaden Ivey playing 20 minutes a game is is perplexing. It's it's honestly a little bit confusing. There has to be more to it, I feel like, at this point. It can't just be because of his defense. Because, like, if him coming off the bench at first, it was like, now again, it's only five games. And everything could change literally next game. And we could, this could all be for nothing. That's why I'm saying it's just something that's piqued my interest. Something I'm just watching now. Now, now it's piqued my interest enough to where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be paying special attention to this. Not not hitting the alarm, not hitting the red button, not not any of that. I'm simply just paying extra attention to it. But before, when he was, we were we knew that he was coming off the bench. He was like, okay, you come off the bench, but he's gonna get starter minutes. He has not gotten starter minutes, not even close to it. And then it was, you know, it's because of his defense, which I accepted. I, I, I openly accepted. I I'm aware of that. But in the reason why it's piqued my interest now is because of this game particularly. At the end of the game, when they, when Monty was very open, his actions were very clearly saying, okay, he went small ball too. He put Stu at five to play four guys with more uh, offensive ability. He was very clearly saying, and it was the right call. I'm not saying it's the wrong call at all. It was, it was the right call. Cade was gassed, and they need some buckets. He needed some help. He clearly said, okay, we need to get some offense into there because Cade needs some help. And – that was the right call. You think that like one of the first options would be Jane Ivy, but it wasn't. It was Joe Harris. And then when Joe Harris was coming out, you think, okay, then that's Jane Ivy, and it wasn't. It was the two way player. And then when he comes out, you're thinking, okay, it, this has to be Ivy now, and it wasn't. It was Joe Harris again. I think all that is just it's just a little concerning. I think take that back. Don't clip that. Let's rewind that. Not concerning. It's interesting. It's interesting to me. That says to me that there may be, maybe, not, I'm not saying this for sure. This is not me reporting on something I've heard. It, just based off these actions, that says to me that there maybe is something more going on. Maybe Ivy's struggling with more than just defense. Maybe he's not, you know, there, there has to be something else. Because at the end of this game, they forfeited defense for offense, and they didn't go to Ivy, who we would assume is the best option outside of Cade to help bring offense, to help bring some three-level scoring, to help bring some rim pressure, to help bring some um, primary shot creation. you think that would be Jane Ivey, and it wasn't. It wasn't an option. And this has been multiple games now where it hasn't been an option. So I'm not ringing the alarm, not telling you guys to panic or freak out. It's just five games. I am simply saying that it's piqued my interest, and I'm, I'm now going to be watching. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be paying close attention to this now. Because that, that, that decision tonight in this game, that I felt like that was saying something. I, I, that had to have been say, That has to say something. It just has to. Um, but let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukahil if you guys disagree. Am I reading too much into it? Am I not making a big enough deal of it? Let me know what you guys think. Um, but that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free to available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe out there. Until next time, peace out.